There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar, and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle of Boveda. This is Box Press. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Box Press. I'm your host, Rob Gagne with Boveda. I'm sitting down with Nicaraguan Nick or Nick Melillo. Nick, thanks for joining us. It's a great pleasure. Great pleasure. Dude. We got a great scene here. Isn't this amazing? Uh, it's amazing. I'm happy to be here in uh, Colorado. Finally happy we're to sit We're in Colorado. Down. It looks like we're in the DR. It looks or like we're, we're in, in Nicaragua. Yeah, yeah. Or DR. Yeah, great painting. Isn't uh, this amazing? Yeah. We Havana are at Manor, Longmont. Havana Manor, yeah. Longmont, Colorado. Yet, you guys think we're probably somewhere in Nicaragua with this mural behind us. Are we supposed to keep that a secret? No, not at all. Everyone should know. We're, we're, we're in Colorado. It's amazing. Colorado. We have a special connection between Colorado and Nicaragua. We call it Nicarado. 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 Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why do you call it that? Um, a good friend of mine who actually wrote the Nicaraguan travel guide, moon travel guide, uh, lives here in uh, Boulder. Really? Uh, Boulder's sister city is Jalapa, Nicaragua. Jalapa, Nicaragua. Yeah, which is one of the greatest tobacco-growing regions. So, yeah. Sweet. So, there's some weird, weird Colorado connections. Got to keep it going. Yeah. Let's set the scene a little bit, Nick. You have a extensive resume, and you started out working at Calabash? Shop? Calabash Shop, yes. In Connecticut. Hamden, Connecticut. You're just working retail. You're trying to cut your teeth in the tobacco business. Yeah. And you end up kind of going through schooling as well. You're getting your master's degree. You end up working for the Vatican. You go overseas. Yes. yes. There's like, then you kind of travel around Europe. Somehow yep. you met Drew Estate or Jonathan Drew. Yep. I met him in the Calabash in probably like 97, right. 98. Yeah. And when, then all of a sudden he calls you up while you're traveling and he's like, you, we got to yeah, do something. Yeah, is going to come down and uh, live in Nicaragua full time. But before we get to that. Sure. What are we doing in Europe here? Like you're, you're a traveling man. You like to travel? Yeah, man. So in, it all started, I would say uh, my father was definitely a, a big impact in my love for travel. He really? forced me to take Latin in high school. Ooh, that I is resisted, yeah, tough, pretty heavily, but he tough to learn. He definitely it's not spoken, would, right? Not spoken. Um, you know, mostly he, read. They were really pushing. You know, the family wanted a lawyer in the family, <laughs> and I or think, a priest with all that Latin talk, he, man. Right, right. I could <laughs> translate the Bible. Yeah, um, right. So I started there, and then so in the Latin class, there was a half the class was a cultural class. And the book was sent around the city of Pompeii, which sure. was famous for burning because uh, of the volcanic eruption in 79 AD. So I'm learning about all Pompeii. And then he took the family to Italy, um, wow. probably my sophomore year. And it sparked it for that you, trip you? just blew my mind because yeah. I grew up just thinking the whole world was the United States. <laughs> yeah, so right. once and then we went to Pompeii. So to wait be, in Connecticut, what's yeah. the scene in Connecticut? Is it mainly rural? Is it city life for you? So New Haven's like city, but then you go north. It's it's all rural. You know, okay. you have a lot of people think about Connecticut in general is like more towards New York, the south west part of the state, like Greenwich, Fairfield. Yep. Um, so you have population there, but then the rest of it is very, you know, farming. And, and then you go to Italy and it's like, whoa, totally different atmosphere here. Totally different, man. Just totally different, you know, way of life. What culture. shocked you the most that you just, as a sophomore, you're like, you this know, is... just just language. I mean, language, really? right, as being difference in culture is the fundamental difference in culture and just you know learning italian and the way people learn italian i was learning italian too at the same time yeah well, how many languages do you speak i don't speak i only speak spanish and, and english and some patois from jamaica patois. Uh, yeah i consider that another language right, too right. so um Good. but a uh, little italian I, I lost my italian actually when i moved to nicaragua in 03 i spoke italian pretty fluently Wow. And then I shifted to Spanish. Because you lived in Europe for a while, right? Yeah, like, I lived in Rome. In I lived in Rome. You lived yeah. in Rome because you're yeah. working for the Vatican. Yeah, so going through school, 
you know, that trip was when I was in high school. And then I really was questioning going to college. Mm -hmm. And my mother... Wait, questioning whether you were going to go? Yeah. Or where to go? Uh, whether I was going to go to college. Because I really wanted to travel. Did say your mother? Oh, yeah. They freaked out. Yeah, Especially they, because... you're my, like, Mom, I just want to travel and experience yeah, the world. She's they like, wanted to strangle Nicholas, me. Nicholas, you have to get a good yeah, education. It's more, uh, my father. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. he's the strong voice. Sure. Um, like, he convinced me rightfully so... Get a degree. Get a degree. My mother worked at the university. Okay. So I got a great deal on tuition. Yes. She really busted up, her hump to, to make sure Provide that I would you. go to school. So um, I said, all right, let's do it. But I spent four years when I wasn't in class, working the cigar shop, working the humidor, and I was just saving my money. I wasn't into the, the college scene as far as like drinking and partying. Sure. And it was a time for me I was like really learning about the world and you know i said before i started listening to reggae music just when i started working the shop in 96 really and yeah what and drew you to reggae music the soul man the soul yeah people don't understand the story and i haven't really talked about this you know publicly but for me people don't realize reggae music is my church music is my spiritual yeah, music, you sure. know, and that's what it became for me. Because if you listen close, you know, Absolutely. we're jamming in the name of the Lord. Everything, you know, is, is spiritual, spiritual in the yeah. reggae. You know, reggae is, according to Marley, a really old word, Spanish, like Airwalk fusion of the word that means king's music, Ray in Spanish meaning king. Really? Yeah. So you're like, I think you're just like a book of knowledge, encyclopedia Nick. That's your new nickname. It's not. It's just it's at like that point in time, I just started connecting the dots between a lot of things in, in life. Like, I've always been that that guy, that kid that was, Mom, why is this? Why is... I have right. to know... Questioning everything. Why? And to then understand. You, yes. Seek to understand. And then when you're 18, you know, you leave high school. You've been in it since you were school system, since you were little. And now you're out. And right. I started asking, you know, the big questions about life and you know right. what, what this is all about but that's a great so for that type of personality that's yeah. a, a great spot for that is a smoke shop because you got old and new guys wanting to share stories over cigars no with doubt. somebody who's going to ask the question why all the time that's where i learned a lot man I working love, in the humidor was what was your first like i remember my first time getting asked by an older guy uh -huh. to sit down and talk to, with him and share a cigar you remember that, that happened all the time. I know, but like when it first happens to you, you're like, I'm accepted. Yeah. I'm I'm worthy of sitting and, and holding this place. I was Huge. 18 when I started working. I looked like I was 13, yeah, right. 14. So everybody's like, facial Who's hair? this like, guy? Like, what is this guy know kid about running cigars? Around here. Yeah, little did they know. I yeah. was... I, fully Just dove in every book and every... Yeah, I knew everything that I could learn via a book or, you know, videos about cigars... By the time I started working the store, that's how I got the job. You they know, just knew uh, like you knew a lot. I knew a lot. I used to go into the humidor with my brother every Friday. This was the height of the cigar boom, 1996. And you knew yeah. every brand. I knew every brand, every Where you know, price, from. every blend, you know. They're like, dude, let's get this guy on payroll. They put him on put him <laughs> in the humidor. I worked for two great ladies, uh, Mary Russo and Carol Velarde. They started the store back in the 70s sure. and biggest pipe selection in Connecticut. Beautiful walk-in humidor, chess sets, steins, like a true old-school tobacconist. Amazing tobacco, uh, pipe sure. tobacco humidor. Um, so that was some of my first blending was pipe tobacco blending. Yeah, yeah. always. I was Did you really ever get a little that. buzz from the, did you use your hands to blend Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I got a little buzz one yeah. time when I was. Especially that Parican Latakia. Oh, that, yeah. That will get you. Yeah. Got a lot of English in this one. I'm going to get a little buzz. Those are some of my favorites. <laughs> So you like to travel. You get over to Europe. You're working yeah. for the Vatican. What, yeah. what what degree do you have when you're… International business. International business. Minor sociology. What are you doing for the Vatican, though? Why do they want you? So that, that year when I graduated, uh, 2000, was the Grand Jubilee in Rome, which was… Uh, it had millions of pilgrims coming from all over the world that year. Okay. Um, being the 2,000 years after uh, the birth of Jesus. So they had a lot of World Youth Day. Yep. So my father ended up knowing uh, New Haven is home to the Knights of Columbus. 
Uh, yeah. And so he had a friend in uh, Italy and they needed help with World Youth Day. And so I helped pilgrims from all over the world. And then World Youth Day, I helped organize logistics and housing and uh, uh, work. So you were at, the liaison. Yeah. Helping yeah, everyone. Yeah. Now, did you finish that out? Was that a short term that you were doing that? So that was like uh, between May and um, September. Then I traveled around uh, and followed Ziggy Marley and the Melody Makers around oh, uh, Europe on their last that tour. That had to been epic. That was epic. Oh, that was epic. I've always and they saw me at so many, you know, yeah. different shows that they would let me backstage and. I would watch most of the shows from Look like… Look at the groupie here, yeah, man. He's total. got the backstage passes yeah. to some of the hottest people in the reggae business. Well, the year before that, we had met and played soccer in California. So, they kind of remembered me from that. How did you end up playing soccer? It, things me? just happened. <laughs> I tell you. My brother always says, like, it's man, just this guy to you. is like… You're in the right place at the right walk time. Walking, you know, I just… Things just happen. You know, I put it out there and… Uh, yeah, we just met before a concert… Um, we were camping out. It was an outdoor amphitheater. This is 99. I drove cross country in the summer. And oh, uh, man. we met to go to the concert. We were there at 12, you know, during the day. Concert was like at 8. Saw the bus come in. Had a soccer ball. Ziggy Marley comes down. Stephen, Julian, Damien, and then all the grandkids. And we just started playing soccer for <laughs> like six at five hours until the people were walking to the show and we were playing soccer <laughs> sound so, check oh yeah. sorry they're out playing soccer yeah so i followed them around europe and um worked you know with this organization at the vatican and then i started working um for an organization that was um working with refugees from ethiopia in rome and eritrea and we had something called a mensa which was, uh, we fed like 500 people every other night. And then wow. we had housing. So it was trying to get people back on their feet. Sure. And also refugees that were, that were kind of coming into Rome that kind of had refugee status but couldn't work. And sure. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. That's how. So yeah. you're, you're in Europe and you're traveling. You love traveling. it. What is it about traveling that kind of like fills that passion for you? Is it experiencing new cultures or what is it? A culture. And I traveled alone because nobody wanted to travel with me. Is that hard? So I, I, at first it was maybe really? the first, lonely or first, what? Cu first couple of weeks, maybe, but then no, not lonely because I end up meeting like some of my best friends I met on that trip. And you're like kind of you, open, you know. You you're can open. make friends anywhere for you. You know, it's not hard yeah, for you. if they're cool people and, you know, yeah. you know, they're bringing the vibes, then… Uh, you're in. You're in. And you meet, there's so many good people around the world. It's just… Did you ever meet somebody that you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. Oh, yeah, Pass. you have that. Thanks. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of you course. got a good keen sense of judgment. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I was wise born man. at night, but not the last wise night. wise man. Yeah. Oh, shoot. It's going full circle here. Right? Great. So if if you're going to travel yeah. in the near future, yes. it doesn't look too likely. But, you know, maybe you might because that might I be I hit a million like miles do. on American last night. <laughs> a where, where, where are you going next? Where, where's where like, am I going? Yeah, like for pleasure. Culture. I'm actually going to London on the 6th. London? Yeah, we're launching uh, Highclere Castle Gin, which mm. we make the cigar for. But that's Great my, segue. Yeah. Highclere Castle Cigars. Yes. So if you guys aren't familiar, Highclere Castle Cigars, you're the master blender. This cigar comes out. The castle itself is known for the Downtown Abbey show. It's absolutely epic. It's 5,000 acres of a huge estate in Hampshire, New England. Uh, England. Sorry, England. Yeah, not yeah. New England. England. And you're picked to be the master blender on this cigar that they want to release underneath the name of the castle. Yes. How did you get introduced to that role and what drew you to this, like, historic project? Things happen. Things happen. He's just in the right place at the right time. Things tend to happen. But it's with the gin, the people making the gin, right? They introduced you. Yeah, so you. my buddy from Connecticut um, was actually, I was introduced to him. Adam is his name. Von Gutkin is his name. Yeah, Great I can't name. Pr pronounce that. Von Gutkin. Wonderful. I think Dutch, right? Uh, sure. Um, uh, Great retailer in Connecticut uh, called Mickey Blake's. Uh, gentleman's name is Lou. Introduced me to Adam and just out of, he said, you guys got to meet. 
You really? two, he knew Adam, he knew me. He said, Did for he some know re- Adam wanted to release a cigar? No, no so idea. The, no idea. No idea. Just you two would kick it. You like, guys got to meet. There's something here. You guys got to really? meet. Synergies are happening. Synergy. He had just started uh, the, the beginnings of High Clear Castle Gin. He was making moonshine in Connecticut. Ended up becoming good friends with Lord and Lady Carnarvon from High Clear Castle. Again, another guy kind of similar to me in that things happen. You know, he, I think he went on a trip to the castle and just sure. met them and became really good friends. Wow. And they started up the idea to create a gin where a lot of the ingredients are grown on the estate castle. Uh, it's a oh, five thousand really? acre working, you know, so estate. They have everything they need to just yeah, and they want to produce something from there. Yes, not just a gin to put your name on it. Correct. So it's Correct. a real craft project. Yeah, and they're using the oldest gin distiller in England. Um, wow. You can imagine some of the connections. Um, Lord, Lord Carnarvon is the godson to the Queen of England, which is really really cool. Um, wow, really. Uh, Adam ended up introducing us and we just hit it off, you know, uh, just really humble. How did you guys start talking about a cigar project? So cigars came up in their conversation between Adam and Lord Carnarvon uh, uh, as they were in gin meetings. And the light bulb went off in Adam's head and said, you have to meet You're Nick. You're the guy. You got to meet Nick. He lives in Nicaragua and makes cigars. And cigars are really predominantly a part of that culture with... Totally. Having dinner and then the men retreat totally. to the fireside and they have scotch and whiskeys. That's, and, the, that's the tradition. Yeah, and have and cigars. It's been like that for almost 200 years. And now years. they want to bring that back to the castle, right? Yeah, yeah. With the name of it. Yes. So we, they we, resi- we Last year, we launched the cigar at the castle. Right. Had 30 retailers from across England and um, just amazing. It was very dapper. dapper. I saw a lot of the dapper. dress. Yeah. Very dapper, very classy. Very classy. Very nice. Yeah. But there, you know, Lord Carnarvon, this is a, a gentleman who I think had 18 Greyhound bus toured around the West Coast of the United States, you know, and just kind of like you. Exactly. Traveling around. Yeah. Was he following a musical band or what was I he doing? I don't think so. I no? think he was just, you know, again, just searching. to see America. Yeah. Being out there and, wow. you know, experiencing So you guys life. share a lot of similarities and a lot, passion. Which, you know, I, I want to surround myself with good people. Right. For me, money, you know, doesn't impress me a lot or right. you know working in the store that's one of the greatest things is you meet people from all different walks of life absolutely um and everybody sort of leaves their bs at the door um so when we met you know i had no interest of you know being around any sort of pompous people anything like that right. and totally it was the, not that way, totally the opposite that's and, wonderful um yeah we just we just went went running with it and I got to access a lot of the archives of old receipts from the castle that his great-great-grandfather purchased. His great-great-grandfather discovered King Tut's tomb with Howard Carter. Yeah, he was the one that funded Howard Carter. Wow. They have an exact replica of the tomb in the basement of Highclere. Yeah. And we stored the cigars in the wine cellar right next to the tomb in in the... Yeah, just... And this is what, you know, it fits perfectly because I'm kind of speechless right now. Yeah, really cool. Unbelievable. Yeah, so we just launched the Victorian version, which is our Maduro. Okay. Uh, It's really a a Cafe Maduro. So it's not like a really dark Oscuro uh, Maduro. It's a Habano Ecuador upper priming. So it's fifth, sixth priming. So it's got that coffee kind of Maduro and uh, fuller-bodied, completely different blend than the Connecticut shades. Sure. So you have your, you know, your options there. So they could have picked anybody, but the the connection you have, is it, do you think like your background, not just with the traveling, but like the history, the questions of why you like diving into history, it seems like, was that, do you think it, that he was attracted to your passion for that? Most definitely. Yeah, most so definitely. that's it how just you clicked. You just know, worked. It totally worked. It's it not was, a, it's, it, for him, it wasn't necessarily to release a cigar. It was, wow, you have a passion for this. Let's see what we can do. Let's do it. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. exactly that. And that was the connection between myself and Adam. And that's how Adam connected with Lord right. and Lady Carnarvon. Um, so, again, very organic, very natural. I think some people don't get that sometimes with the brand right. because they think it's like, uh, I don't know, like, a higher, you know, like you yeah, were hired to release this brand. Yeah, yeah. Getting the story out. Definitely people hear it. They're like, wow, man. What, what? happened? Yeah. How did that go? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. That's how it all started. It's where it's at. Just natural, organic, 
happenings. Can I make a, can I make a slight mention about the sunglasses? Yeah, I'm let's not do trying it. to be. We're a outside, so that's why yeah, we got, I got sunglasses. Some migraine problems. So, we're good. Yeah. We're good. All right. You got this. Just want to clarify with the audience out there. So I want to touch a little bit. So you, yeah. this project was basically organic, passion yes. driven. But you're, you have all sorts of different types of projects that you work on. You have recently worked on a music project with the Reminders through Foundation. Yeah. There's always projects, whether you're uh, a cigar maker or entrepreneur or a uh, brand manager or a musician. Musicians are notorious for this. They write a song and maybe it doesn't get released on that album because it just doesn't fit. But they still created it. It still satisfied their creative outlet. They had to create it. They had to put it down into paper or an, into uh, archive. No doubt. What do you? What projects have you worked on that you're like, you know what? It's not. I haven't released it yet, and I might not, or I might. Are it's there funny. projects that you have that it's are in the It's funny because I just had this discussion with my art team. I have an amazing art team from the north of Nicaragua, and Esteli, my art director, his name is Thief Operandi. We just did a little docu series on him uh, recently. Which, which came out really nice. And then um, my other group of artists, it's a collective called Atoll. And I actually, these guys are passionate about what they do, right? Sure, the and art. making art, yeah. And Is that you know, what decorates a lot of your booth? Yeah, Is stuff yeah, from, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. That's our Check whole art team. Booth. We got a whole art studio down in, in Esteli. Um, and that's where we do a lot of the booth. We had a 50-foot mural at the booth that these guys did. Right, yeah. I saw that. And then we do a lot of individual paintings and yeah. And you know, there's a bunch of stuff that I don't use right. sometimes or I have them working on. And you know, I had to explain to them, don't be offended. You know, sometimes they're gonna be used and sometimes they're not. And sometimes, you know, I might it might be a year before they, they come out. So sure. There is a lot of projects like that. But they're exclusively working for you or are they just yeah, doing... Yeah, exclusively for Foundation. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you have a lot of... And we just added a video. Uh, my man, seed Kenneth. Seed to Sale? Yeah, Seed to Smoke. Seed started, to Smoke, sorry. Yeah, Seed to Cigar. We, we've been working on for a year with my man, Kenneth Espinosa. He's from the north of Nicaragua also. Sure. He did an amazing job. So we just added... He just came on officially full time with uh, with the team too, so we got a pretty dynamic team. Which yeah, yeah no we're kidding. working on animations we did and video content, photography. We got a great photographer named wow. uh, Juan down in Esteli. It's cool. It's a cool team team of guys. Um, but again, they're really passionate about what they do, which is great. It's just tough sometimes because you know to use it all to use it all. And so, but then I end up using them eventually, you know, what eventually. Is, are there other projects that you know that you kind of like stopped and you're like, hey, it's still waiting to be released? Yeah. 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 You about, might see some of those coming out this how year. How about any projects that you put on hold and now we've seen them come out? You know, um, Menelik, which is my was my event only cigar. Yeah, yeah. So that you just came that out this year at the show. Yeah, twelve count box. That was originally, you know, um, I try to do events here and there. So I wanted to do something special for guys that were purchasing boxes, and um, I made a special blend. It's a, a four and a half by fifty two soft box press. Got a nice little pigtail. I call it a man bun. <laughs> um, and Got a little uh, added detail to it. San Andreas Mexican, nice hearty, rich blend. So that one just got got released. What's um, that called again? Menelik. So Menelik it, mean? means the son of the wise man. He was the son of Solomon. Yeah. So the wise man here. Yeah. So is it what actually, I'm smoking. Yeah. That's that you released that a while ago. Yeah. And now you're kind of running the theme with. With the Menelik, yeah. The Menelik, yeah. Is that? It, do you like to carry that theme throughout your projects or is it just coincidence that you're naming these You know, things? it's so the Menelik is actually doesn't even relate to the 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 branding of it doesn't relate to Nicaragua as much as my Tabernacle uh blend. Okay. Um so I kind of it's kind of a play between both but it's more like the wise man blend if I was going to okay. say. Um definitely like if you see all the foundations port portfolio I mean, they're really each brand is a homage to something in my life. Um, 
the wise man will Wednesday to Nicaragua. You know, the Wednesday was my first blend, all Nicaraguan blend, filler binder, wrapper. I really wanted to, you know, bring to connoisseurs uh, what Nicaragua was all about. Because that's, um, you start in Nicaragua with foundation. Yeah. Your first year you come out with the wise man and yeah. it hits top 25 for CA. Big honor. Yeah. That's and we, huge. And we got number one consensus cigar. Uh, for both the Maduro and the Corojo. Uh, but that's a lot of momentum for your first year. Yeah. Was that like kind of daunting? That Did you look at that and you were like, wow, I have, I hit the top 25 and now I have all this demand. Do I have enough to produce? Yeah, that's always a challenge. Yeah, was yeah. that a big challenge? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Okay. You know, keeping, because my number one focus is always quality, consistency, and the cigar. That's just where Appreciate I'm coming that. from the, you know, Appreciate the factory that. floor. Yeah, yeah, my pleasure. I know what it is. You know, I'm a cigar smoker, so. Because you, you cut know, your teeth with Drew Estate running basically the whole production in yeah, Nicaragua. yeah. We went from this working out of the back of a house and I left. It was the largest factory in Nicaragua. So I got to learn a lot, you know, in that process. And you immerse, uh, like you're 24, you immerse yourself yeah. in a foreign land. You're, you can see the influence through your social media of like reggae, the murals, the art, the whole thing. Do you feel like if you didn't have that experience at such a young age, it wouldn't like would reggae still be impactful in your life, or did you always have the connection? Yeah. Or do you think it amplified after you lived in Nicaragua? No, I was a full-on Rasta when I moved to Nicaragua. You were already a Rasta yeah. when you moved to Nicaragua, yeah. so then it was just like I'm with my people now. Yeah, yeah, and I had been traveling before that trip. Uh, at that point, I had circumnavigated the globe the year before I moved to Nicaragua. So the first trip, I ended up going back to school, and then I was in school for a year, and I couldn't take it. I was like, I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta get out of here. And I landed a job uh, for an an Italian Renaissance art history tour with high school kids. Sure. So I was offered that job. I said, I can't refuse this job. That was from like May to September, and then I said, I, I'm not going back to the classroom. I bought an around the world ticket for fifteen hundred dollars. Ooh. And I went from Rome to Paris to Mumbai, India, to Bangkok, into the islands, up along the Burmese border, down the Mekong River, into Laos, Vietnam, Jeez. China, Spain. I got to Spain. No, I'm sorry, Japan. From China to Japan. And I got an email from Jonathan saying, call me. I obviously have some serious shit to talk to you and about. You that was him. the email. You met him at the shop. Years before at the Cal shop. Yeah, when he was just first starting. Yeah. And he... he yeah. We kept some, in touch. We somehow met, you guys connected. Yeah, we said, met uh, 98 maybe for the first time. And they just came out with a cigar called La Vieja Habana, which mm -hmm. was being made by Perdomo at the time that I brought into the shop. They had sure. a couple other releases early on that really nobody heard of because they kind of faded away. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't take them onto the shop. And then they... You know, one of the sales guys uh, who lived close to me in, in Connecticut kept coming in. And then we brought on La Vieja. And that's when I we did an event one Saturday. And that's where I met John. We exchanged emails. So he was on my email list as I'm going through the jungles of Thailand, <laughs> you know, and he was going through a lot in Nicaragua. And I think the light bulb went off and said, you know, that's my just guy. give him a try. You know, he'll, so he'll you're definitely sent, come down to Nicaragua if he's in Laos. Or, you yeah, know. right. He yeah. likes to travel. Yeah. So you're sent on this mission to get into Nicaragua and help run the facility there. Yeah, yeah. I the was, production, right? Yeah, I was traveling around the world for a year, was in the States for a month, and then flew down to Nicaragua on March 15th, 2003, and didn't leave for like almost two and a half years before the first wow. time I left. Yeah, and I left for like two weeks and came back. Yeah, so I thought he was I was going to be mirroring him a lot of the times. He kind of, after the first week, said, figure it out. And, you know, it was nice great because... Nice job figuring it out, man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I had been coming from an international business degree, love for cigars. So I got to, you know, I said, well, I'm 24, I want to prove myself. You know, you this is this things. is my test now. This is where right. I get to to show what I'm capable of. Step and, up. And, you know, that I can do this in the real world. Right. And it was my dream because my next trip I was planning on was getting a motorcycle and, and driving through Central America because I wanted to learn how to bunch. Like, that was my dream to, you want to learn, learn how, how to, to bunch cigars. It was like, 
the ultimate. But you had a factory right there. You could learn how to bunch yeah, right that, there. Yeah, so it just happened. You know, I got the so call there. and then it, it all fell. You know, these yeah. the stars aligned and, and here I am, you know, uh, at, working out of the back of a house and uh, the company's wow. growing and I just start really learning tobacco from a lot of these guys that I read about for, right. you know, so many years. Uh, a lot so of these amazing people Cubans. were at the factory yeah. that were teaching you? Oh, yeah. So oh, you yeah. learn. I'm always learning, man. Yeah. That's the one thing about tobacco is, you, you know, if you're not Absolutely. learning, it never reacts the same way. It's never the same mm -hmm. process. You know, it, it, you have to listen to the lead. That's what the best tobacco guys do. They they're aware and open to understanding and observing the leaf. Yeah, Padrona, uh, Padrona always said you had to touch and be in contact with the leaf totally. constantly. Totally. You Whatever know, I learned know. a lot from from those guys, from the right. Pepines, from a lot of the tobacco guys behind this the scenes. And, you know, I was fortunate to be able to learn a lot of different styles from all these different people and sure. kind of develop my own style that worked for for us and yeah. it started putting it together when I started realizing where a lot of the flavor profiles from a lot of the cigars that I loved, where they were coming from, from the different seed varieties, you know, growing so you regions. You're like cataloging in your head, like, okay, that's, that's going to bring me this yeah. sweetness that I want. Yeah. It started coming, but you know, a lot of experimentation. Right. And then eventually that evolved into a particular like blending style that Ooh. I, I kind of… Now we're of, getting into the trade secrets. We yeah, can't divulge too much. Not too much. But just little taste. Let's talk, let's talk about blending styles because, you know, how do you start from scratch to go into blending? You know, um, tobacco, man. The least, so you're, you know… Are you, list, are you cataloging all the tobacco you have and then you're going, okay, with these tobaccos, I know I could make a unique cigar that isn't on the market already? Yes, definitely. I mean, it's definitely, everything is kind of geared to, I, I'm the end-all, be-all when it comes to like blends as to which ones make it into the box. So I sure. got to be wowed by it. Okay. I feel fortunate because I've been able to have the retail experience. So I, I kind of understand the different flavor profiles and the different things that consumers like. You know, I work the store. I'm not here sure. to tell people what they should like. You're I, listening yeah, I to what they like. Find what is going to fit, um, you know, their their likes and their palate. And that's really what, if you see the whole portfolio is geared toward, okay, you want a mild, creamy, smooth, we have High Clear Castle. Right. You want something fuller bodied, the Tabernacle. You want something in that medium, medium plus, you have the Wise Man. Charter Oak for your everyday. Fused, you have the upsetters. So I kind of wanted to, depending on what the brand is, and, you know, I, I definitely get inspired by tobaccos, but I, I have an idea of what, you know, kind of uh, where I want to fit that that brand and blend within our portfolio. Um, so, yeah. So tobacco is definitely where it starts for me, though. You know, uh, good leaf. Yeah, and just get inspired by, you know, I get around tobacco and I'm like, you know, I'm like, that's why I know I'm still in the business. While it, you're it, when you're I, excited? I'm excited, man. I'm like, I get Roll, all. Yeah, I've seen you on I'm Instagram. the same way in the humidors. You're you rolling those little, little yeah, bits of yeah, yeah. tobacchiatos and yeah. smoking them and going, yeah. oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. Nice. Very interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So you kind of talked about learning from a bunch of different master blenders yeah. and then picking up bits and pieces. Yeah to then create your own style. Word. So there's some written rules around blending, right? You got to have certain things. They're just what you have to have. But what things are you pushing that are foundation or, or Nick's style versus, hey, I'm just going to make a cigar and it's going to be similar to this? I mean, I think just the access to certain tobaccos. You know, I've been fortunate to be able to establish relationships with some of the best in the business and have access to a lot of leaf you can't necessarily get. So um, it first starts with the relationships so that you can even have access to the tobacco. Oh yeah, no doubt. So you yeah. already have that access. Yeah. But now what are you doing? What is Nick doing in order to make it a true wise or a true foundation cigar? Is the is really, you know, that 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 putting those ingredients together. It's like you, if you put me in a kitchen with the best ingredients and you put, you know, a chef in there, I, you know, I might be able to come up with something 
good because there's great ingredients. Right. But when you really, you know, understand the leaf in a way, I'm looking for, I'm looking for flavor. Right. As much, I want flavor. I want complexity. I want depth. Um, and I want the strength without it being overwhelming on the palate. Like that's what I, that's what I want in a cigar. Right. You know? Um, so I try to, kind of bring that through the Menelik for this, the new blend that's a little bit stronger that gives okay. you know that's for those guys that want a little bit more you know a little bit more Oomph. kick yeah. yeah but that's what I'm looking for you know body strength um, complexity without it jading your palate in any any way and that's 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 the art of it is how do you get that and and Absolutely. the blending process it's sometimes easier to make a stronger cigar because you, you you stock it with more viso ligero, um, but you get a lot of upfront strength and maybe not that depth and complexity. Right. So to, to me, that's the trick. So diving into Nicaragua, we skipped over that quite a bit, but yeah, Nicaragua, Nicaragua, viva totally, Nicaragua, totally immersing yourself into that culture. But I have to imagine myself. Okay, if I'm coming off the air airplane. I land in Nicaragua. You, what do you go straight to the factory? And who's gonna guide you? Like, is it Jonathan Drew who's guiding you? Is it like my first trip? Like the very first trip? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's scary to like just be like, hey, go to Nicaragua and make this whole business a success. Yeah, I didn't. Where even, do you get that mentorship? I didn't even really realize it to be honest with you. Like at the beginning, you didn't know what you were getting into. I had no idea what I was getting into. I think Jonathan might be good at that. Like the art of like he's bra- he's don't a master. Make at it, it way more than it is. Just go do this, and we'll we'll graduate. Yeah, I mean it just sort of all fit, you know. Right. Um, and I had just been traveling around the world world for a year, or so I landed after a year. This in San Francisco. Knowing I'm going to Nicaragua, the day before the Iraq war protests, the next day it was oh, wow. 200,000 people in the street. And I was fighting through the streets to try to find a bookstore about a book about Nicaragua, knowing that I potentially really? might be going to live, live in So you're in doing this some country, research. Doing some research. So you got a book to try to help you figure out, okay, what am I, what yeah. was the book really telling you? The book was the Nicaraguan moon guide. There was no... Lonely Planet. Um, it was my Bible because the gentleman who, one of the gentlemen who wrote it, Joshua Berman, who actually lives here in Boulder. Nice. Um, we ended up becoming really good friends years later. It was, he did Peace Corps in the late 90s in Nicaragua and it was just a really great, you know, insight into the country. And so you pick that book up and you immerse yourself in it because you're like, here I go. Here I go. So and it's that book that kind of helps you. Okay, this is what I need to do. Yeah. And uh, what was it called again? A, Nicar- a moon book, uh, Nicaraguan travel guide. Moon, but moon book, moon book. Why so is it titled moon? Moon book? book is the group of books like Lonely Planet. They're just called moon. Okay, moon, moon travel gotcha. guides. Gotcha. Yeah, they do right. some really great travel guides. So those. was it geared towards tourism or was it geared towards it was, culture? It, it was both. Okay. Both. Yeah, both. So it's not just like here's the hot spots to go in Nicaragua. That was the great thing because he had done Peace Corps, so he had been living there for two years. Right. He, you know, in the countryside. So he really had an ins- insight into the culture. And that's what made the book so great and perfect for me, you know, going there for the first time. And so then um, when you land, you're a few more comfortable conversing with everyone. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. What you know, was, it's, you what know, was the hard part there? You don't speak the language? Didn't, but I was speaking in Italian. And then. Do uh, they speak Italian? No, but they're very similar. <laughs> and it got me by until it got I you got by. into Spanish class. I would go into Spanish class, you know, 7 a.m. and then be on the production floor at 8 a.m. And then every day on the production floor, you know, I just. You're learning it. Learning, because nobody spoke. There was only one person that spoke English. At the time, within the, the company, the GM of the factory. Um, and besides that, it was, you know, I just immersed you myself. Cut your teeth. Cut you my go. teeth, man. Jumped right in the deep end. So was that the hardest thing to overcome, the language barrier? That or was, was it something else? That was definitely, at first, the hardest. And um, I made the decision to live on a tobacco farm, which was kind of difficult. Yeah, because Why? 
I wanted to do it, man. I wanted to, you, you know, if I'm moving fully to Nicaragua, immersed. I want to be fully. Uh, so you're living on the tobacco living farm. Living on a tobacco farm. Are they like making a room for you kind of in? They're like, why does this guy want to live on it the tobacco farm? It was an old farm? farmhouse that hadn't been lived in in like 20 years. No way. So we redid the inside of it. And uh, did you have to clean out a lot of like, you it know, was like crazy, bats man. And there hadn't been other little, animals living in there. Yeah. I got stung by a scorpion. My what? first. Yeah. It was too bad. Yeah. Did you have to any no, medical no, attention? It's like a beast. It's like oh, a it's beast just a beast thing. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to die if you no, get stung by a no, scorpion? Not, not Nicaraguan scorpions. They're okay. friendly. All right. Well, yeah. thank God for, the for most that. Part. Sharing yeah. your bed with scorpions. You what else? Hear, so what other like, critters are you sharing? You want to hear a cool scorpion story? Yeah, let's go. I'm laying on a friend's house. We're about to watch a movie on a couch, about to watch a movie on a projector on a wall. Um, I'm laying down like this. I feel something. You know when you feel something and you just react? Yeah. I felt something under my armpit and just automatically reacted and just started squeezing. Turn the, I said, turn the light on, turn the light on. Opened up my shirt. It was a scorpion. I oh. killed it, though, before. It couldn't get its tail up because it got caught in the shirt. But oh. I squeezed its body and squished it and then uh, got him before he got me. Oh. That was my only two scorpions. Stories. Fighting with scorpions. The other one got me. On the other the, one got on you. the finger, yeah. He was hiding yeah. behind some books. Oh. So, so it, it became more difficult as time went on. Than when I first moved to Nicaragua, it became so more difficult. More difficult because I you thought know, the opposite would happen. You get more immersed and you get better. Traveling through a place and living in a place is totally different, right? Absolutely. So, so did the locals not really welcome you because you're a foreigner? No, they totally welcomed me. And they, they did. Were totally so that wasn't to, the issue. What is? What's, they were why is it getting me? worse? Because you're farther away from friends and family. You're up in the middle, two hours north of. You know, Managua, you're in the middle of nowhere. You know, I like outdoorsy things and whatnot, so it's cool because there's a lot of great hiking and whatnot. But you just start, you know, family missing, right. you know, going Homesick. to sh shows, you know. Yeah, that's uh, a different culture change totally, for you. You don't have the totally. city life. You don't have any of the experiences. Yeah. What did you do to get over that? Um, I did a lot of trips to the beach, <laughs> yeah. which didn't hurt. On the weekends, I would go hang out um, in the beaches or outside of Was there Esteli. a community there for you to engage in, like people that you could become friends with? Yeah, I started becoming friends with a lot of like, you know, at that time, I was probably one of the only gringos in the north of Nicaragua sure. besides Peace Corps workers. Okay. Um, did they you think know, you were a Peace Corps worker like right some away? Some of them, yeah. Yeah, like, some of them. Here? Yeah. And... Yeah, um, that I ended up becoming friends with a lot of a lot of them, um, you know, over the years. It wasn't like what it is, you know, recently with all the travel to Nicaragua and visiting factories and sure. Nobody came down to. No, it's empty. Yeah. Nobody knew about it. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of definitely like cultural, you know, differences and that you had to overcome relationship differences. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So. So as time went on. It got a little bit harder, but you were you were mentally preparing yourself to get through those. Yeah, yeah. And then did it get easier at all? It got, yeah, it got easier. And then I ended up, you know, taking more trips. Like I would take trips every couple of months and come get stay for a couple States, of weeks. and Get yeah. your fix. And I started coming to Colorado at one point. Really? You know, yeah. What drew you here? My, uh, my ex was actually, we went to school out east and she was from Colorado. So... We used to take so cross-country trips um, back in college. We used to drive sure. you know, cross-country here to Colorado. And um, we ended up uh, splitting, and she ended up coming to Colorado. And I just never left, really, because I had developed friendships here. And yeah, you've We had attached. a lot of mutual friends in school that were living here, too. Two of my good buddies ended up moving here. So, sure. Yeah. Colorado's yeah. second home. Colorado, yeah. Do you have a place Colorado. here? No, no, not you just anymore. Call when I you did visit? like two two years ago. Yeah, you a place but I was never here, so you know, sure. I was just. But now yeah. you're Connecticut. Yeah, I'm in Connecticut. We have our office on a 50 acre tobacco farm right in the heart of the Connecticut River Valley. Do you own the tobacco farm? I don't own it right now. Yeah. Okay. No, but um, we'll see. In yeah, the yeah, future. yeah. Yeah. Are you using the tobacco coming out of there? This year, it's being rotated. We're actually growing. Um, um, uh, what is it? Barley for uh, beer. Um, 
That's so good for the, the soil yeah, to rejuvenate and the, it. And the fields needed, the barns on the property needed some work. Um, the barns up the street are the ones that they use, but we're looking over the next year to do some interesting experiments on the farm. Cool. And, yeah. Some, nice. Some work with different seed varieties. Nicaragua Nick is now stateside. From time to time. interesting things coming out yeah, of Connecticut. Yeah. I'm in between Connecticut and Nicaragua. Like, so you still have a place down there? Is it still the, Oh, yeah. Oh, is yeah. it the... Was, you live on the farm? I was down in Nicaragua... Um, first two quarters. Sure. Probably about 80% of the time. Do you live at the factory? No, kind of like I have you a place to? in town. Okay. Yeah. I've had a place in town now. You know, sure. moving to the farm, I was saying when I first moved down there, it was just kind of isolating. Right. You know, because... You're, you're outside yeah, you're the and you're not practicing the language as as much. So I was out there for a couple, two, three years and then ended up moving into town. And Do you feel yeah. more fluent now? Are you fluent Spanish oh, yeah. speaking and you got it all? Yeah, my tenses are a little rough from time to time. Yeah. Like if someone from Spain heard me speak, they would probably be like, who's this degenerate? Who is this guy? Because I learned most of my Spanish right from the bunchers and rollers from the production floor. So it's floor. a little bit of a slang. Yeah, they don't know what to think of me sometimes. Like people, <laughs> I know when people are from Managua, like we have a, a certain slang in Esteli, you know, different, and it's different than Managua or the rest of the country. Sure. Um, so I could tell like people are from Managua or, and then when I go to Managua or whatnot, they're like, who, this guy's speaking like he's from the north, but he's a gringo maybe. They can't kind of figure me out. Nice. I kind of like it that way. Hey, perfect. Keep them on their toes. Keep them on their toes. You obviously have humidors all over, I'm sure. I got humidors. Everywhere. What, what is a classic? It's my tabernacle, the humidor. <laughs> Yeah, what what is your tabernacle set up with? There, you got certain cigars in there just because uh, this humidor is just for this type of cigar or this type of profile, or you kind of got a mixed bag that you could just go in there and be like, yeah, this is the mood I'm in. I'm I have a that. humidor in my office that I guard very closely that yeah? has all my like age stuff. Age, uh, you like yeah. the age stuff? You know, I just have. You know, as cigar smokers, we like yeah. to we like to. You know, have a little stash. Covet a little. And sometimes rarities. we hold on to them a bit too long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have Opus from like 1996, Ooh. 95. I got a lot of, of course, like original Liga stuff when I from 06, uh, wow. 05, some Cuban stuff, some, you know, unreleased blends sure. and whatnot. So I have that one Spent humidor that. with, um, you know, Good collection of some old Padron nice. boxes. Uh, what else? Uh, Got some archive. Some Nesotros that was originally a what Drew Estate Illusion. Dion from really? Illusion. Yeah. We did a project back in 09. Um, and uh, some, some of those. Unicorns. So out I here. have, yeah, I have that humidor. And then I have a humidor of like foundation of sure. some aged, you know, uh, separate humidor with like all you know, first release stuff that I wanted to set aside from sure. uh, foundation. And then we have... Are those celebratory sticks for you? Or do you go back to them to see yeah, if I like the blends see, are still accurate? I'd like to see the evolution of the blends, definitely. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. And, you know, a lot of my blends, some of them, you know, we use heavier tobaccos, Visos, Ligeros. To me, those, you know, uh, stronger vein structure, cellular structure, heavier leaf. Sure. Those tobaccos, because this isn't a micro fermentation, you right. know, it's it's a leaf, you know, right. so it's always in some sort of of process. Those heavier blends, I feel sometimes age out really nicely because they have substance to them. Whereas sure. if you have a blend with a lot of lower priming tobaccos, Seiko's. Doesn't have the legs. Over time, a lot of times that kind of really dissipates in, in strength and, and body, but. So can yeah. we assume most of the uh, foundation line has a lot of legs to age and it just oh, gets definitely. better with it? Most with definitely. Most definitely. Nice. Yeah. Age those foundation sticks. You know, see what they're all they're about. They're always ready to go. You can count yeah, on that. Yeah, you can that, go now. But, but, you know. Fun to age them. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because sometimes guys say in this, the industry a lot, it's like, oh, they're young. They need to. Yeah, right. It's like, uh, yeah. It's already oh, been aged for three years, like brother. Three years <laughs> plus old. But, you know, it's just. It's more of what I think they're saying is that process of, you know, I don't think young is the 
the term. right term all the time. Sometimes there's too much humidity in the, sure. in the and that's because of the production floor. You know, we're working at different humidity levels and moisture content right. on the production floor where we're trying to remove moisture right. from the production floor. So sometimes if they're shipped up with too much humidity, can create that muffled flavor. Yeah, it kind of mutes to me sometimes a sure. lot of the flavor, sometimes humidity. That's one thing with blending a lot of times when you're blending on the floor. A lot of guys that are sometimes new to it, oh, smoking it right off the, oh, this tastes amazing. Like this is amazing. And then 30, 60 days from now, right. it's a totally different cigar. Um, a lot of times, you know, that has to do with moisture content sure. also because you're not really getting a true reflection of the blend. Wow. To me, it, to me, my opinion a lot sometimes is it mutes yep. a lot of the flavor. All that too much humidity. Too much humidity. Got yeah. It. If it's too dry, it's like yeah. too much, you know. It's, it's like being in Vegas. No flavor. Yeah, or sometimes Harsh. if you get if you get heavy leaf viso ligeros and that's dry, harsh. Yeah. Because it's Back so thick, throw, it's so heavy, mean. and it's burning at a higher rate. Right. It just totally changes the blend. Keep them at the proper humidity. That's where it's at. You know with what? what it's all about. Got the big B here. Nick. Blah, blah. Dropping it like it's hot. It Super like it's happy hot. that you made it out on yeah, Box Press. This, this was awesome, amazing. Man. Yeah. Thanks for joining us in this cool My pleasure. space. I hope I answered all your questions. Dude, You, I think you're going to be on Joe Rogan's podcast next. So, oh, I wish. So I this wish. is like, you know, no, I'm going to see Joe. compared to what Joe's I'm going to. I'm going to tell him I was on a uh, podcast this yeah, morning. Yeah, and tell him, yeah. you know, hey, I don't, I don't know if his podcast can I would love Step to be up. on Rogan, man. Let's that would go. be awesome. That's a great podcast. You got to pitch him. You got to pitch him. Let's go. Yeah. Go see him. You'll get backstage anyways. You'll see him. I hope You'll so. You'll say I got hi. You'll questions. be like, hey, you know, Boba to Rob had really good podcasts. I think I think we could challenge him and How get on yours. marketing? Uh, yeah, let's do it. Want me to talk let's to him? Yeah, let's collaborate. I'll talk to him about We're going to collaborate. Foundation, Boveda, Joe oh, Rogan. Joe Rogan. He likes cigars. I, yeah, I hope he does. Oh, absolutely. I got to bring him some. Wonderful. If he if he doesn't, I'm gonna make him a fan. Now. Yeah, you are. He's gonna be a foundation fan by the end of the night, or maybe tomorrow. However late you guys party, we're gonna smoke a cigar and talk about aliens and uh, perfect, wonderful ancient mysteries. Well, again, <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for being on My the show. My pleasure, guys. I appreciate you guys. Thank you all for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening, you can check us out on on uh, Spotify and every podcast platform. You can also watch these live in person, on YouTube. Bovoda can be found at Bovoda Inc. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you all. Welcome to Denver. Peace out. Smoke Foundation. <laughs> <laughs>